There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high quality meat cooked at home because let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high quality, grass fed and grass finished beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Have you ever stopped to think about the money decisions you make and whether they're making you rich or making other people rich? This is an eye-opening question, and to be honest, you're probably in the same boat as most everyone else. You're a consumer and not an owner. So how do you begin to make that shift? Well, in this episode, Ryan Sterling, author of the book, You're Making Other People Rich, stops by for a chat that will redefine how you look at your money. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. It is so good to have you here. I hope you're doing well, staying healthy and safe. Rolling out of the holidays, it's likely that you bought some stuff. I know I have, probably even some stuff you didn't need. For me, it's an obsession with black sweaters. (laughs) How many black sweaters does one person need? 
Don't answer that question. So I started thinking about what Ryan says in this episode. What if you and I took the money for every black sweater, whatever your current obsession is, and instead invest that money in a company's stock? That could radically change our money situation hands down. We could move from consumers to owners. Like mind-blowing, right? But by the end of this episode, you will know how to make that transition and learn so many more money gems from Ryan Sterling. So let's jump into this episode. Ryan, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on. I'm a fan of the show. Fantastic. I love it. Well, I I mentioned before we hit the record button, I read through your book this weekend, You're Making Other People Rich, and it really... It hit me like a ton of bricks because I think your story, a lot of your story might as well have been my story, how how everything on the outside looked perfect, but you weren't really that way. You you say that you were uh financially broke and you know waiting for like some financial epiphany that you knew probably would never come and yet on the outside portraying a different image as so many of us do and I think we all have this a responsibility, I believe, to like share the tough personal side as mo- of money as much as we do all the tips and strategies and the good stuff. So, you know, I just wanted to start out like, tell me a bit more about this this time in your life when you knew, okay, I I really need to to make some changes. Like things are just not going the way I want them to go. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I was the classic. Uh, you know, high earner, not rich yet. The the Henry profile, and I I came into financial services in my early twenties. I really enjoyed it. I was attracted to the lifestyle. I was attracted to the energy, and I moved up the ranks pretty quickly. And I was checking all the boxes. You know, going from analyst to associate to VP, senior vice president, and I got to this point in my life where I was mid thirties. I was making the number that I considered to be my, I made a number that 10 years earlier, I decided when I hit this number that I will have made it. And (laughs) I had this realization, again, this is mid thirties, you know, kind of, it's like three, four years ago or so. And I was at my desk at work in my office. And again, I had this realization that, okay, I hit my, I made it number. I have the title that I want. I'm doing, I'm checking all of the boxes Yet I feel a sense of emptiness. And when I look at my financial condition, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And why is this? And I realized that, you know, my wife and I, we become a victim to a phenomenon known as a lifestyle creep. And lifestyle creep is basically it's when every time you make more money, more money becomes an invitation to develop. Uh, more expensive hobbies. You can have nicer clothes. You can go to nicer clubs. You can go to nicer restaurants. And I, I talk about this, that my wife and I, we got in the trap of, we were consumers. We were consuming bad energy. We were consuming bad food. We were probably drinking too much at the time. And we were just consuming stuff. Every single day we'd come home to boxes and boxes, you know, J crew, Amazon, you know, all the gadgets, accessories, you name it. Again, when we went out to eat, we felt like we had to go to a certain restaurant because that's where people who are where we are in our career, that's where they go. And again, it left us a place that we were just really empty and financially insecure. And we really got to the point where we had to ask ourselves, like, are we living the life that we want to live? Are we living a life that was defined for us? Yeah. And I think 
if people are going to be honest, most of us come to that point at some point in our lives. And that's sort of the fork in the road, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you either go right or you go left. And there's not necessarily any wrong decision. You know, I mean, this is your your life and, and your in your choice. But uh, you know, when I was reading your book, like I really came up with this thought of how much of money is a choice that we get to make? You know, I, I, you probably have these stories. I have many of these stories. I think about people who made, you know, relatively small incomes, whatever that number is for you, but are in much better financial situations than some people who make mathematically a lot more, you know, and we, we tend to get stuck in this like amount of income place, but where do our, where do our choices come in? You know, how do we even begin to like have that perspective to think about that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's funny because I've actually, I've had so many people reach out to me since this book was released back in September. And one note I got that I thought was really interesting was a guy that reached out to me. He's in his seventies, he's retired. And he said his book really resonated with me and he had his kids read it because he said, you know, my wife and I, we never earn more than $80,000 a year. Yet we have over $5 million in investable assets and we own, own our home outright. Um, wow. They live in a place that they live in a small town in North Carolina. Um, so cost of living is lower. But it was just interesting to see that perspective of this is someone that never earned more than $80,000 a year. Um, but he basically talked about the principles in the book he and his wife used years ago. And he, he just wanted to share share his story, which I was really thankful for him doing so. And it, it just, it, it gets me back to what I was talking about being a consumer versus being an owner. And my wife and I, we were consumers. And it dawned on me where I said, wait a second, we're, we're just, we're just going through this life consuming what other people put in front of us versus being on the other side of it, which is being ownership, which is being owners, having ownership. So that's where this book, it's very much kind of taking the reader on a journey from being a consumer to being an owner and shifting the mindset again, away from that consuming mentality to an owning mentality. So instead of just buying the new gadget upon release or just buying clothes that at some point in time are just going to be clothes that we donate, I don't know, two, three years later, instead we should buy the company. We should own the asset. We should own the stock. We should be the owners, not just the consumers. And it's the owners that are the ones that ultimately are the people that get rich in this country and in this world. And it's a really simple um, kind of decision when you put it out there, but when you're in your day to day, it's hard to take yourself out of it. So basically, right. it, you know, the point I want to get across is I don't care what income level you are. I don't care where you are in your journey. There are ways that you can embrace ownership today, regardless of your income level. Yeah. I really like that point because, you know, uh, if I think back to myself in my twenties, I'm not sure how much of the ownership perspective I actually had. Uh, You know, and as I made my way through my 30s, it was really, even though I was or am, I should say, you know, a certified financial planner, financial expert, and, and have seen this in so many different people's lives where they have made that shift. It just, the light bulb didn't quite come on for me. So I'm sure that there's somebody listening who's, who's thinking the same thing, you know, what does it actually mean mm-hmm. to have ownership? So what are some of those things that you should take ownership of? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just mentioned that, you know, with respect to being the owner, not just a consumer. So for example, you know, you look at, you know, when a new iPhone gets released and everyone's rushing to buy the new iPhone. Um, well, how about instead of doing that, why don't you buy Apple stock? And instead of just buying individual stocks, you can buy an S&P 500 index fund with very little money today. So basically what that means is the S&P 500 is basically a collection of the 500 largest companies in the U.S., and you can go to an online broker, a Robinhood, an E-Trade, a TD Ameritrade, a Schwab, Fidelity, whatever, and you can buy what's called an S&P 500 index fund, where when you make that purchase, you own the 500 largest companies in the US. You are now an owner of Apple. You are now an owner of Amazon. You are now an owner of Google. And I went back, I have a case study in the book of someone who graduated from college in 2006. And... She, when she graduated in June, she basically uh, held herself accountable to saving and investing $500 at the end of each month. So she saved $500 a month and she invested in an S&P 500 index fund, $500. And, and for her, that was a lot, especially in her early twenties, but it was something where she, she kept up with the routine and ultimately she made sure that that money got invested before spending any other money. So it just became a consistent routine that she got used to. Um, you know, she started in 2006. So she went through the financial crisis and there was a point <laughs> where she had contributions of $15,000, but she had a balance of under $10,000, but she kept with the process, just $500 saved and invested at the end of each month. And even though she was losing money in the financial crisis, again, kept up with the process and fast forward to today. And she has a balance of over $200,000 from wow. just $500 a month. And I think about that and I think about, you know, this woman Jody as a case study and I say, gosh, how many people have spent an excess $500 a month on dinners, you know, shoes, clothes, you know, these gadgets, accessories. I think about like, you know, $500 for some people could be a lot of money a month. I get that. Um, but for a lot of us, that's just like one dinner, one accessory, one uh, clothing <laughs> item a month. That, that again, at this point, like I, I look back to like how I spent my money back in 2007, I can't remember what I spent my money on. And gosh, like what if instead I just took that money each month and I bought my share of the S&P 500 index fund, like I would have so much more money today. And it's, you know, I'm in my late thirties right now and I get this all the time from people where they're, where they're like, well, yeah, that's a great example for that person. I, I wish I would have started when I was 22. Right. It's like, well, okay, well, at some point you're going to be 50. <laughs> so like, why don't you start now? <laughs> and your 50-year-old self, well, thank you. So it's yeah. really just like, that's number one for me is that like, you could be $500. It could be $50 a month. I don't care how much it, how much you can contribute. Whatever you can do, though, to get in that consistent routine on a monthly basis being invested in the U.S. stock market. And you talk about mindset, something I talk about a lot. I would imagine that even when you start taking that little step, there is a switch that happens in your mind because you, I would imagine maybe you could speak a little bit more personally about your own experience going through this transformation to, to the owner perspective, but you start looking at other decisions, even small things like dinners or whatever that might be. And granted, yeah, you need to have fun and live life, but you start looking at those decisions through a different lens, I think, when you make this shift, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, it was, I was at a point in my life where, again, I was making a really good amount of money, but I was spending an absurd amount of money. And I just, I realized that I was, 
I would get a bonus and I'd be excited for a second. And then a month would go by and I'd be like, okay, when's my next bonus? <laughs> and it, it was really stressful being dependent on a company for my livelihood. And, you know, I just looked to see, okay, I want independence. I want more independence in my life. I want more agency over my life. And am I spending in a way that's getting me closer to that independence? Or is it, am I spending in a way that's just making me more attached and dependent on this company that I think is fine, but I'm not, I'm not in love with. And by the way, they don't owe me anything. So it was one of those things where I just realized I was like, gosh, I'm so stressed out all the time because I'm, I'm dependent on this entity to make sure I can continue to keep my lifestyle up. And then I started to think my wife and I went through this process of, of asking ourselves a question, like, what do we really want? And let's have two constraints. Our wants can't be material things and they can't be more money. And when we put it out there to say, what do we really want at the core of who we wa- who we are? Well, we wanted more connection. We wanted to be more of a team. We wanted to have more independence, have more agency over our lives. And that's when we realized like, wait a second, we're living a life that is, again, not living in accordance with what we actually want. We're actually living in a way that's taking us away from that. So when we started to reframe it that way and started to actually look at our consumption patterns, you know, to your point, you know, we were looking at dinners, for example, and we're looking at the restaurants that we felt we had to go to now. And when I actually like, like actually thought about it then from like a third party, I just said, wait a second, like, I don't even like going to those places. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm going in, I'm being rushed in. The, the host is usually rude to me. I'm sitting at a table that's like two inches away from the <laughs> table next to me. You know, the waiter or waitress is coming over. They're rushing me through the ordering process. The food's coming out right away. It's usually small portions and tons of salts and it's not terrible, but it's not amazing. And then you get a bill, it's $300. And then you're like, all right, like, <laughs> that was it. (laughs) And I started to realize that, wait a second, like, why do I like going out to eat? Like, I like going out to eat because we like to be out of our home and we like to be around people and we like to be social. Or I was thinking like, wait a second, if that's the real objective, why do we have to spend a lot of money to achieve that? Why can't we go to a place that is more reasonably priced? Um, and, you know, again, say like, make, make it like half the price or a third of the price, but we're still with the same people. We're still having the same conversation because the objective is just to get out of our house and to be around the people who we care about. So we started to reframe things about like, what's the objective? Like, what do we actually want to accomplish here? And then now that we have that objective, how can we achieve maybe 90% of the results with a fraction of the cost? Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So, how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, Honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, 
I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps. But I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. 
Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. I love that you share that story. I've been thinking about eating out a lot this year, obviously, not being out able to eat out very much. Uh, you know, in Los Angeles, we've we've eaten at one outdoor restaurant since February. <laughs> and, you know, before that, of course, we would go eat and you, you have the same experience, right? The bill comes, you're like, well, that really wasn't that great anyway, but I'll obviously I've got to pay the bill. And right. it reminds me when I first started dating my husband, he would buy me flowers a lot. And I'm like, look, it's very sweet that you think about buying flowers, but this is my perspective on flowers. They die really fast and they're usually pretty expensive. So how about if we just save the flower money and put it towards something else? And he looked at me like, you know, this is going to be the test. Like she's really testing me here about the flower thing. And uh, (laughs) he kept buying flowers. I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 seriously, this is not a test. Like this $20, you know, every couple of weeks could go a lot better places. And I think, if we all thought about that in our life, I'm sure there's stuff that we're buying or doing and that consumption piece where what if it what if we could turn that 50 or $60 or whatever that is like $500 like Jody's example and that actually turns into a a massive asset like it just it's sort of mind blowing that that could actually happen but that mathematically can happen. I mean, I tell this to people all the time. It usually comes down to just a handful of decisions. So I'll, I'll walk you through a quick story of someone who's a friend of mine who's, uh, again, the classic, you know, high earner, super high achiever, um, but a big spender. So we were about to go to a wedding. And one of our friends was staying at a hotel that was about a five minute drive from the wedding. So we met up with him and it was kind of a nice hotel. And we were in the hotel bar just having a you know quick catch up drink. So um, we're at the bar. She's about to order. And, you know, I'm talking to her about like how to like small changes can save a lot of money. So she's about to order and she goes, I'll have a glass of champagne. And the, the bartender's about to go pour the champagne. I said, wait, hold on. How much is a, a glass of champagne? And the bartender goes, $30. And she's like, whoa, $30. And uh, she goes, do you have Prosecco? And he goes, yes. And she goes, well, how much is Prosecco? He goes, $11. <laughs> like, All right. So she's like, we're coming down. So, um, so number one, just asking that one question, the price went from $30 down to $11. And she was totally indifferent between having the champagne or the Prosecco. Okay. So we're, we're having a round of drinks. Um, our friend came, he, okay. Then we have another round of drinks. So we have two. Our friend came down. We're about to go to the wedding. Mind you, there's an open bar at the wedding. And the, the Uber is called, like it's coming in two minutes. And someone goes, let's get one more round. And I said, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. The, the Uber is literally coming <laughs> in like two minutes. And then we're five minutes away from being in a place with this open bar. Right. Like, how about we just wait? So you think about, she would have ordered three drinks, three street glasses of champagne that would have been $90. And instead she had two glasses of Prosecco that were $22. That's just like a simple choice like her life was no worse off in that moment (laughs) and it just came from just like giving a little bit of space having a little mindfulness and intention behind it and i think about again that was a period of a half hour think about how many of those half hour moments we have during a week where we can easily this might be somewhat of extreme example but like i guarantee you most of us can probably carve out two to three hundred dollars by just those small little tiny actions accumulated over a month. 
Yeah, it, it's just, it literally is mind-blowing and it's frightening because I think of my own life, like how many times I've made maybe the not right decision. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you talk about action and I think that's a really important piece here because if we go through this example, she saved, you know, what, $70 or however many from her choice of Prosecco yeah. versus champagne. But then there's another piece to that, right? There's the action of like, what do we do with that savings? Totally. Like, where where totally. are we putting that? Can you speak a little bit to, to the action piece then? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so you think about, yeah, you used the example before about being an owner. Like I would say, again, get yourself on a consistent trajectory of saving a set amount every month and then becoming an investor. And I think the best and the easiest way for all of those listeners out there to be an owner is through stocks. And yes, I know stocks get a bad rap and I know it can be really confusing and it seems like it's risky, but if you can just set aside a certain amount every single month and invest in a diversified portfolio, like an S&P 500 index fund, which you can do with just one purchase a month, it's so easy. Then now you are an investor. Now you are an owner. So now you are on the ownership side of of the equation. And now, you know, when people are again, buying the new iPhone, when people are going out, you know, buying clothes, accessories, all of that stuff, you are an owner on the other side of it. Right. <laughs> and, and stocks pay you to be an owner through dividends. So when stocks, you know, a lot of these companies, when they have profits, they give the profits back to shareholders. So stocks are investments that actually pay you for owning the stocks. So I, I just think about like, you know, that $70, like maybe you don't say, okay, I'm taking that $70 immediately and, and buying an S&P 500 index fund. But maybe you say, hey, I need to have a constraint of, you know, two or $300 a month that I know is automatically going to be saved and invested. And by the way, most of us do this in our 401ks and we don't realize that we're doing it. So what I'm saying is basically do the exact same thing you're doing in your 401k, but just do it outside of your 401k to get that supercharged growth. And, you know, I think, I think the boundaries and the barriers are really important. And let me just touch upon this for a second, because I really wanted to, because I, I had my own issues with overconsumption and I wanted to get to the bottom of like, why is it so hard to consume? And I, I came to the realization one day when I was talking to a friend of mine who's in the venture capital world. And he said something to the effect of like, yeah, you know, like we, we want to make sure that we're reducing the friction points between the customer and the sale. And it hit me like a ton of bricks when he mentioned the friction points. And I was like, there is a system that's intentionally designed to get us to spend money. And they do so by reducing the friction points. And this is what I mean by this. Um, there used to be natural friction points or barriers between us and spending our money. Like go back decades ago. If you wanted to buy a pair of shoes, you had to say, okay, I need a pair of shoes. Okay. Do I have cash on me? Yes or no. If no, you have to drive to the bank. You have to wait in line. You have to see an actual human being, a teller. You have to get your cash. Then you have to drive to a store, dig through inventory. Do they have what you want? Do they have your size? Yes or no. If no, drive to another store. If no, drive to another store. You know, going back decades ago, buying a pair of shoes could be a three to six hour event. Wow. But with each passing decade, we get, you know, uh, easy pay options, credit cards, online catalog or catalogs, online shopping. And now we're at this point with all the apps, we can get a push notification that the shoes that you like that are your size are available. And you can press one button on your phone and you can have 30 pairs of shoes delivered the next day with free shipping. The <laughs> friction points are gone. And guess what? This was all intentionally designed. 
So what I say in a big part of this book is that we need to fight an intentionally designed system mm-hmm. with intention. We are now the ones that need to intentionally add back the friction points between us and spending our money. And I think one of the best friction points that we can all use is having that set amount that I keep referencing where where you say, before money's hitting my checking account, I'm having an automatic contribution of again, 200, 300, 400, 500, whatever it can, you can do, I'm having it go into my investment accounts. And I'm going to make sure with those monies, I'm adding the constraints that that is money where I'm going to be an owner. I'm not going to be a consumer. Mm, I love that. Yeah. What what a powerful way to think about it. Uh, you, you also mentioned in this book, something I want to talk about, um, the, the difference between abundance and scarcity. And I feel like abundance, the word has kind of gotten a bad rap, but, uh, you know, I, I do really believe that there is power in the scarcity versus abundance mindset in order to make these, these shifts and, and to see them more from a positive perspective than maybe a negative perspective. I mean, I think, that's probably why budgeting is such a bad rap as people feel like, oh my uh-huh. gosh, it's it's going to tell me what I can't do versus mm-hmm. you just making that shift in your head going, no, oh, that's actually telling you what you can do yes, and all the amazing yes. things you can do. So if, if I'm someone and I'm, I'm listening right now and I maybe even this year is as tough as it's been, I've been in this whole scarcity mindset. Things are falling apart. Money is, you know, is not where it should be. How do I make that shift in my mind to feel like a- abundance, even if it's five, 10 years out, but but that is a possibility? Mm-hmm. First off, I, I, I love that you're asking this question. And I in the book, I refer to a budget as a value statement because I firmly believe that the way that we spend money should be a reflection of our values. So when you're tracking your expenses, even though that looks and feels like a budget, really all you're doing is making sure that you're spending in alignment with your values. So the way that I see it is, you know, when you are, again, thinking about quote unquote budgeting, it's not about saying no, it's about saying yes to the things that add value to your life and no to the things that don't. And I think with respect to the scarcity mindset, is I, and I, I see this all the time with people. Oh, I need this. Oh my God, I have to have this. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you, you, you don't. Like you're fine. You're living in that place of scarcity that if you don't have something that you are going to be um, uh, looked upon in a bad way in your group of friends, that you know, you're going to have less than somebody, that you've lost out on something. You know, retailers and marketers, you know, a big part of their job is to make you feel like you're in a place of scarcity and that you need this. I was talking to someone the other day who is trying to to be better with their money. And, you know, they said something to the effect of like, oh yeah, but um I I I spent uh I spent $150 on a um on a uh uh, an egg sandwich maker from from Amazon. He's like, but I really needed it. It's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) You 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 wanted it. You didn't need it. Right. You know, I think about people again with like the clothes or the accessories, like, oh my God, I need this. No, you you don't need it. You might want it, um, but you don't need it. And I think that's an important you know, place to get to is that, you know, again, these retailers and marketers and on all of the messaging is to make you be in a place of scarcity, where in reality, there's so much abundance 
in our life. And oftentimes the things that do provide us the most abundance are the things that really don't cost that much money. I'll just give you an example. And I mentioned that I was very much a consumer and I was in the consuming mindset and very much in a place of scarcity. And when I was in that headspace of scarcity, it made me consume more because my identity and my ego were tied to what things said about me. And when I, when I was able to like tap on the brakes and observe it from, you know, an outside perspective and again, give myself a little bit of space, I said, wait a second, like, this isn't the stuff that defines me. And, And by the way, like, I I just looked at my closet and I said, I remember when I got this new shirt or I got this new suit or I got this new pair of shoes, like I felt like amazing, but, but now it's just old stuff. And now I I need to replace it because it's not doing it anymore for me. (laughs) Like that's not sustainable. So one thing I did in this whole journey is, um, I actually, uh, developed a, a hobby of long distance running and long distance running is now a huge part of my life. But I think about it where, you know, like today I went on a run. And, you know, it was, it was cold. I live in New York city. It was cold and rainy outside, but, but I still love to go for a run, even when the weather is bad. And part of it, it just makes you feel alive. You know, you feel the endorphins, you feel like you're making yourself better. You're making an investment in your health. And I always like when I'm done with a run, I feel so amazing. I feel like just an amazing amount of abundance. And I think about now I've replaced the consuming with healthier activities, you know, whether it's, you know, really valuing time with my wife and just the time that we have together and the connection that we have. You know, I think about exercise and being able to invest in my health um, and being ownership, taking ownership of my health. You know, I, I also think about, you know, my, my wife and I, we, um, we're, we're, we're both investors and we both have our little side accounts that we invest in and we're really excited about it and we talk about it. So again, we've gone from this place of scarcity and consumption to this place of abundance and ownership and connection. And the amazing thing is it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Well, and I think what's so powerful about what you just said is, is reframing the word abundance. We typically think about it in terms of a dollar amount, but abundance can be lots of things like your run or spending time with someone. And it may seem cheesy or, or corny to, to to say this, but it is those reframes that I think that's really where a lot of the aha moments are. Mm-hmm, no doubt. I, and I you know, it's funny, I, you know, you think about all the areas of wealth in our life, you know, I just used health as an example, I just used love and connection as an example. Another one is time. And, you know, given the name of this podcast, I assume that many of the listeners are millennials out there. Uh, I, I myself am, am one. And you think about this, if you talk to anybody who is over the age of 80, if you talk to an 82 year old billionaire, billionaire, and you say, you ask the question, would you exchange your billionaire status? Would you give all of your billions away to be a 30 year old again? Would you do it? And I guarantee you they would do it in a heartbeat. They would give every single cent away. So if you're sitting here right now and you're in your late twenties, late thirties, somewhere in between, whatever it may be, um, you have an incredible amount of time left. You have an abundance of time. And that really hit me too, where I just looked at this wealth of time that I had and, and saying, wait a second, like, do I want to live my valuable minutes giving it to a company that I'm lukewarm on just in exchange for a paycheck, just so I can keep this life going that's really not providing that much value? Or do I want to 
detach from needing that paycheck from that bonus? Do I want to start working towards financial independence so I can have more control over my minutes and hours? And when I started to think about that, it was number one, kind of scary. <laughs> number two, <laughs> super empowering. But I think about this now and I think about, you know, I now run my own business and, and I love it. I mean, it's super scary, but it's like beyond exciting. And I get to structure my day the way that I want to structure my day. And my wife's in the business right now. So we run it together. So we're able to design this life for us. And it all started with getting a better relationship with our money and detaching from that um, scarcity mindset of feeling like, number one, I need all this stuff to fulfill me and define who I am. And then number two, because I'm consuming all this stuff to define who I am and to show others my worth, well, now I'm just more attached to this company that is, again, not really serving me. And by the way, I'm giving up this incredibly precious asset of time to this company in order to consume the stuff to impress the people, but some of whom I don't even like all that much. So when I started thinking about this way, I said, wait a second, this is absolutely like madness. So I think about, you know, fast forward to where we are today. And like, we don't consume clothes that much anymore. We don't go to fancy dinners out. Um, you know, we're, we're not constantly receiving boxes to our door, but there's so much more abundance in our life. It's like unbelievable. I can't even be, and by the way, we're making less money than we were before too, but uh, the amount of abundance and happiness in our life is, I mean, it doesn't even compare. It doesn't even come close to where we were before. It's so good. It's so good. I, more of these messages need to be shared and there. There are just so many good nuggets in this book. I want to focus as we wrap up on on just some action, some action steps. We talked about action a lot today. Mm-hmm. What would you say are maybe, you know, a couple of the most powerful action steps you think that that somebody can take to really transform their relationship with their money starting today? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great question. I would start with asking yourself the question, what do I want? And add the two constraints, your wants can't be more money and they can't be material things. So really ask the question, what do I want? Like work on defining what would your perfect day look like? And your perfect day doesn't mean that the weather is perfect or that you have some sort of financial windfall or that you're necessarily at a beach resort. But like on a given day, like how would you want to be spending your time? So first ask that question, what do I want? How would I design my perfect day? Okay, and then number two is ask yourself then, Am I living in a way and spending my money, spending this amazing resource in a way that's getting me closer to that? Or is it taking me away from it? So that's number one is just define what does your best life look like and even put together a vision board. I mean, my wife and I did that and it's so powerful when you can put together a vision board and you can put it in a place where you see it every day so you know what you're working towards. All right. Number two is I would track all of my expenses. And and I mean, I, I still do it today. And, you know, the, yes, there are a lot of apps that will do it for you. Um, I don't find the apps all that helpful only because, I mean, while they're an amazing tool, they typically tell you what happened after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a tracker that I use 
that um, I just every single day or every couple of days, I just track every single line item to see where's my money going. And is it again going, am I spending it in a way that again is in alignment with my values? And by the way, I'm not perfect. Like I definitely have slip ups. There's no doubt about it. But at least when I'm tracking every day, I know where my money is going. And if I do make some of these mistakes, I can course correct pretty quickly. So that's number two, I would say, you know, track your expenses. Number three, as you're tracking your expenses, if there are areas where you're vulnerable and, and, and for many of us, it's going to be like online consumption. So whether it's Amazon, whether it's some sort of uh, sneaker app, shoe app, like whatever you want to call it, create that space where you can no longer consume anymore with that particular app or that particular company. And, you know, it doesn't need to be anything. You don't need to, to say, I'm never doing it ever again, but maybe stop for a month. G give yourself a little bit of space. So I have someone recently who read the book that said they deleted all of their sneaker apps. And they realized that, you know, this company, this app, they, they knew exactly what type of shoes he liked. Mm -hmm. They knew when he was most likely to spend. I mean, they have all of our data and they push it to us when we're most vulnerable. And by the way, like they know as long as we can quick click a button, the easier they make it on us, the more we're going to spend. When Amazon introduced one click checkout, it's estimated the revenues increased by $4 billion a year, <laughs> right? By one click checkout. So, you know, they, they know how to get us. So part of it, just create that space. It could be no Amazon this month. It could be, I'm deleting all of my retail apps, like whatever you need to do to create that space. So that's number three. And then number four, I would say, get yourself on a consistent trajectory of being a saver and an investor. And for me, I think the easiest way to do it is contribute a set amount every single month, whatever you can do. Don't, don't go crazy. If it's only $50, do $50, whatever you can do. And each month save that amount and then invest for me in an S and P 500 index fund. And if you want to buy individual stocks, I think that's fine too. But I, I take the route of being more conservative and just investing um, uh, alongside a, the the U.S. stock market. So I think if you can do those four things, you will see progress. Wow, Ryan, this has been probably the best wrap up that anybody has given in my 650 episodes. So wow, <laughs> thank you for that. I mean, what great action steps! I I want to exclamation mark all of those. Well, I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can go to connect with you. And if they want to get a copy of your making other people rich, where do they find it? Yeah, say the best place is my personal website, ryansterling.com. Um, so that's my full name, R-Y-A-N-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G.com. Um, it has links to the book and you know all the other ways people can engage. I would say in terms of social media, the platform that I'm most active on is, is LinkedIn. So you can just find me at uh, the Ryan Sterling on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm new on Instagram, but I'm, I'm trying Instagram out. So you can find me on the Ryan Sterling is my handle on Instagram. I sure hope you enjoyed this episode and that it made you think a little bit more about moving from consumer to owner. Now, Ryan, he's not saying give up your life and never buy anything again. No way. That doesn't work. But what I got out of this episode is that if I start to be aware of my buying decisions, I can make good choices and not only in what I'm buying, but also the control I have over actively growing my wealth. What do you think? What do you think about that? I'm really into it. 
If you found value in this episode, please do me a favor, share it with a friend. It's the best way we can continue to grow the show and bring great guests like Ryan to you every single week. Until next time, remember, mindful money is absolutely the name of the game. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.